Welcome to the Calvary Couples Podcast. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at uh, the beginning of the chapter through verse 17, and we're going to talk about how as believers we put off an old way of living and we put on the new way or the godly way of living. And in verse 1 and 2, they repeat commands to set our minds on things above. Now, what does above mean? It means above this world, beyond it, not a product of it. And Paul uses the example that Jesus is raised from the dead. Our our union with Christ means that just as we're crucified and buried with Christ, we are also raised with him. And if you think about it that way, because we're raised with Christ, we leave all the old ways of living behind. Now, Paul's not saying that we should not deal with the necessary things of life on earth. He's warning us against getting caught up inside of the earthly things, where it's really a matter of perspective. Are we fixing our gaze on the earthly matters or are we fixing our gaze on the things of God? That's really where the problem lies. So we make the um, everlasting things of God our primary focus. Learning how to assign things their proper value and importance is really a crucial way of living for all believers. And how that happens is it involves setting our minds on things that are above. So verse 3 speaks of a life that is hidden with Christ in God. The whole thing seems kind of mysterious, but what, what does Paul mean? Well, the Colossian believers knew that they were living on earth, not in heaven. That's a pretty obvious fact. But their union with Christ was transforming what they saw as just a mundane existence. And through that union, they're crucified with Christ, they're buried with Christ, and they're raised with, with Christ. This was their spiritual reality, regardless of the daily grind that they're involved in. So they had difficulty seeing this on a regular uh, basis. So, they, so Paul has to draw their attention to God and that their true nature is living with Christ. And you and I have the same struggle. We get lost in the mundane things of life and how they relate to our spiritual reality. So eventually the Colossians and everyone else uh, would see the true nature of their lives that they were living in verse 4. And when Christ returns, all will be revealed. So some aspects of teaching are hidden in Christ and God. There's some things that we haven't fully yet realized. And some are the results that we see now, a transformed life, someone that lives differently. And others may remain or go beyond or... Um, our view won't really be settled until Christ returns from glory. So secondly, when we get to verse 5, we have to, with that mindset, realizing that, yes, our daily grind hasn't necessarily changed what our, how our day is ordered and what we do, but our perspective has changed considerably because of our life in Christ that's hidden God. Now, how do we put off old sinful ways of living and put on a new godly way or a new perspective? Paul wants the believers to see an important result of what of this idea of our death in Christ. So we must put to death the earthly things that had captured our attention before Jesus. People who have died, they don't struggle with, you know, sinful appetites such as things like lust, gluttony, greed, addiction, and many of the other things that are listed um, in this chapter. So why would we want to keep these appetites around as we're trying to live out a, a life that's faithful to Christ here on earth? God's judgment falls heavily on these folks who do not put off the old sinful ways of living. They are attra- there are attractions that we should be ashamed of. And the things we used to do, the things we used to say, the things that we used to think shouldn't be a part of our lives. They must be dead to us. And it's good for believers of all ages to know and have confidence and security in God's love as we follow him. But at the same time, we need to understand that if God loves us, he won't allow us to, to stay in the same way of living because that is not what is best for us. God has called us to a higher standard of living because the blessing that comes with it is something that he doesn't want us to miss out on. We also need to know that there is a coming wrath that will be a righteous wrath, but it follows a persistent refusal to repent. 
So verse 8 continues this list of things to put away. Paul began in verse 5. He focuses on improper sexual behavior, on greed. He moves to unloving and unkind attitudes and language or speech. Did the Colossians have a particular problem with dishonesty? We might read in verse 9. Maybe, but on the other hand, lying comes into play in nearly every single one of the particular activities that have been previously listed. Sexual immorality in all forms almost always involves lying. Anger and rage include lying to ourselves and to others. Malice and slander involves dishonesty. We make ourselves and our viewpoint the center of our story, and it's designed to run down or destroy other people. Believers are called to be truthful with ourselves and with others. And really, deception has no place in the life of a child of God. Now, purity involves more than what we have or have not done. Especially for someone with an impure past, it is important to understand that purity involves seeing ourselves and acting as people who belong to someone else. So we're God's people. Never forget that. We're not merely our souls or our bodies. Purity involves respecting the Lord and his lordship over our lives. Now, the negative actions of putting off the old self works hand in hand with a positive action putting on the new self. And in chapter 1, Paul had already told us and told the Colossians that Jesus was the image of the invisible God. And in this verse, he told them that this new self is being formed in the image of the Creator. Now think about that for a second. It's almost astonishing to think that God is at work through renewing our knowledge and forming us into his image. Verse 11 does not intend to indicate that the distinctions listed truly do not exist. Greeks did not thereby therefore become Jews, for example. Men did not become women. Barbarians did not become um, non-barbarians. The point is that there's there's distinctions that make no difference before God. Children who sing the song, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. It's not that those differences aren't uniquely designed by God for his purposes. It's that there is no difference in the distinction before the cross of Christ. Christ is all we need to live in peace, regardless of our differences. And in verse 12, it begins an extensive description of how we ought to be as God's chosen people. Now, Paul uses the metaphor of putting on the traits of Jesus as clothing. We are to wear compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is the new things we put on. And God expects certain characteristics and behavior of his chosen people, just like he did of Israel. He expects to see the body of Christ bearing with one another and forgiving one another, even the most famous, as Jesus said, 70 times 7 seems um, really miserly compared to our new standard for forgiveness as the Lord forgave us. And above all, this remains love, the supreme virtue that ties together everything else. So bearing with one another has applications throughout the life of the local church and beyond, and it may even apply at times to the teacher, to the student, to the pastor, to the church attender. Humility should remind us that group members may need to bear with us as teachers. Peace rules in homes, communities, and congregations when the peace of Christ rules in our hearts. This is a calling for all believers, for which we have in, we should give thanks. The virtues that Paul described all find their place in our homes, in our family lives, especially compassion and gentleness and forgiveness. Peace at home always begins with peace in our hearts. Where such peace is present, we should be ready to express our gratitude to God in any way possible, including through singing and through music. The word of Christ should mark the life of the local church and the family. We teach it to one another. We refer it Two, and we admonish or encourage one another and express musically or verbally our heartfelt gratitude to Christ. The immediate context of verse 17 appears to be the life of the local congregation, but still we should not hesitate to apply it to our individual lives. The legitimate activity of a Christian believer should always be something that he or she can do gratefully in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So I hope this lesson has been helpful. I hope it has encouraged you to think of how you can put off old sinful ways and sinful actions and sinful attitudes and put on the new way of living that Christ has given us, which above all things is the supreme virtue, is all wrapped in this idea of loving God, loving God and being devoted to him and then loving one another. I look forward to studying with you next time. Thanks for joining me here on the Calvary Couples Podcast.